Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us on LJN Radio. I'm your host, Jenna Konar, and you're listening to Management Decisions, where we speak with expert guests on a variety of business management and recruiting topics. On today's show, we're discussing the topic of minimizing micromanagement. So to learn more about the signs and effects of micromanagement in the workplace, as well as how managers can steer away from this form of management, we're talking with Robert Naylor. Robert is the founder of Robert Naylor Coaching and Consulting, LLC. Thanks so much for joining me today, Robert. Thank you for inviting me. So before we dive into the topic, I wanted to ask you what your definition of micromanagement in the workplace would be. I know there's probably a lot of different ways people could define this, so I wanted to get your take on it. Yeah, there, there are lots of ways that people could define it. I sort of see a micromanager as someone who feels the need to very tightly control the processes, not so much the outcomes, and not simply supervise people or the work of the subordinates, but really someone who is very involved in the details to the point of interference. They need to be involved in the smallest of decisions, sort of every step of the process along the way. They need to be constantly informed, kept up to speed and up to date, and really to the point that the subordinates are not really allowed to make any decisions or, or move forward with the project unless the manager is involved. That's, that's how I see micromanagers. And in one of your articles that I was reading, it was an article on micromanaging, you listed a few different traits or behaviors that micromanagers will sometimes exhibit. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to walk through each one. And the first one was that you're swamped. So how does being swamped as a manager cause you to micromanage your employees? I think rather than more than causing you to micromanage, I see it as part a, a symptom of, micro, of my, being a micromanager. And it can cause people to micromanage, obviously. But generally speaking, if, if you see someone who is just always too busy, uh, the workload is able more than they can keep up with, or if, if your own workload is more than you're able to keep up with, and you just feel overburdened at the end of the day, you're not getting everything done, then I, I think that's sort of a symptom of it. Now, lots of managers are overburdened in the workplace these days. A lot of people have too much to do and can't accomplish all they want to do. But I think if you're looking at it in comparison to other people at your level and even in comparison to the people that you supervise, then it might be a problem. Uh, these are the people who sort of show up at meetings late or barely show up on time because they had to stop to be involved with the people who work for them to make sure that something was getting done. So I see it as really as sort of a symptom of micromanagement. Okay. And then uh, the second one you talked about was you hover. And I know for some employees, this can kind of be a dreaded thing to have their manager hovering over them. So what would you say is maybe the cause behind that or why it's done in the workplace? People feel like I'm in charge of this process. I'm in charge of the outcomes. I'm going to be held accountable for the outcomes. And so I want to make sure that it's done in a certain way up to my standards. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's absolutely perfectly fine. The problem is that they really want to be more involved than they really need to be. They sort of need to see how the sausage is made, so to speak. Uh, so they feel the need to be included in all the decisions and all the processes, and they very closely monitor the work of the subordinates, even when it's not necessary. And one of the things you just mentioned, the problem with it in terms of employees is if you get people who are really competent at what they do, it makes them feel uncomfortable, and it's bothersome to them, and it really is counterproductive. So if you need to see what's happening along every step of the way and you're sort of ever-present, you know, it can create a great deal of unease and insecurity with the people who work for you uh, because they start to wonder, you know, am I making this decision correctly? Am I doing the right thing? And I was talking to someone just this last week. I was at a conference in Chicago, 
who was talking about uh, an employee who just decided, I'm not going to turn in my best work because my boss is just going to re- redo it anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's one of the, the, the real consequences of it. Okay, yeah. And so some of the other things you talked about were the manager dictating, controlling, and condescending. So how do these come into play with micromanagement? One of the things I've noticed, and I actually had a manager tell me this once, is that I want my people to do a task the way that I would do it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a real problem because everyone has a different approach to how they do a job. So if I've got a task to do, it may be that I really, I'm sort of, a, sort of the quietly effective type, or particularly if it involves working with a team. There are people who like to be sort of up and about and around. There are people who are very process-oriented. There are people who are very research-oriented. And so if I'm one of those things and I insist that the people I work, who work for me approach it my way, that's the dictating. But the problem of it is, is that it may not feed into their strengths. And again, it creates this level of insecurity. But control comes in with people really telling people how to accomplish a particular task and sometimes really getting overly involved. I had a boss once who was a, a fairly senior executive who was telling her administrative assistant, which which cookies to order for a, a manager's meeting. It's that sort of thing, you know, oh, which, wow. you know, I mean, and that's, and, and this is something the administrative assistant did routinely and really felt it was just kind of going overboard. The condescension is particularly irksome because, you know, maybe you've had a boss who suggests that, well, maybe you accomplished your work and maybe you did it fine, but you'll never quite live up to my standards or do this as well as I could. And I find this sometimes is true for bosses who have had the job that you had before, who previously had the job that you hold now. They feel like, I was good at this job, I know how it should be done, and you'll never live up up to my standards for doing it. And so you kind of touched on this a little bit about how this kind of behavior in a manager can impact the employees as far as employees kind of shutting down or maybe not turning in their best work. What are some other ways that you would say this really impacts the employees both in the short term and in the long run? One of the things that a manager really can do and should do with employees and subordinates is help them grow and develop. And I think this is, this is good for the employees. It's good for that manager because when people get better, they accomplish the work that you need done to a, a much higher level of quality. Uh, they become much more self-sufficient and confident and confident people actually continue to get better. It's good for the organization you work for because the productivity is higher, the quality of the work is better. So managers should be doing that. One of the downsides of being a micromanager is, is that if you are really looking over people's shoulder and doing the things that we just talked about, people don't develop to the extent that they should because they, they don't learn, they don't grow, uh, their, their abilities don't get any better because the manager's standing over the shoulder. The person that I talked about who decides, well, why should I put forth my best work because my boss is just going to go in and, and just not, not simply make it better, but re- completely redo it. Mm-hmm. That, that's re- one of the real consequences. And people feel like, you know, I, I'm not going to get any better at this. It creates a high level of insecurity with people, a really high level where people really begin to doubt their own abilities sometimes when they actually have them, which, again, people don't turn in their best work. And it really, it's a morale killer, mm-hmm. you know, and it's particularly a morale p- killer with, with very talented self-sufficient people, people who are really good at their jobs, who know that they're good at their jobs, who are able to produce well, produce lots. It makes them feel that I'm in the wrong place and I'm working for the wrong person. And, and they, very often they start to look for another job and the most talented people will leave, which is really bad for the organization. 
Right. And I would imagine the the down morale would be one of the biggest factors for leading to a, a less productive work day and um, maybe, you know, producing work that's not up to quality. Absolutely. Uh, because when people feel demoralized, they just don't do their best. You know, you get this level. You really want the people who work for you to have a fairly high level of buy-in and hopefully a high level of ownership of the work that you do, the work that the team does, the work that the organization does. People who sort of are overly focused on how my people get their jobs done, they, you know, people will comply with that, but that's as much as you get. Compliance is never going to get you to the level of productivity, the level of quality in the, in the work that you really want. And so that's one of the real downsides of being a micromanager is that you don't get the kind of work that you want because people give up. You set the bar fairly low for them, mm-hmm. and, and that's as high as they will ever go. And so for people who are listening who maybe think, you know, I'm a manager and maybe I'm going in this direction or maybe I'm there already and I'd like to turn this around um, and help my employees to grow, there were some ways that you mentioned that people can kind of step away from this and move into a more effective way of managing their employees. And the first point that you made was to lead. So how would you say a good manager can effectively lead their employees? Leadership is, is about really setting an agenda, creating a vision, and really being able to communicate those to, to the people who work for you. And so one of the things I think every manager needs to do is to say whether I'm a senior manager or whether I'm a frontline supervisor who has people reporting to me, am I really communicating to these people a vision and a strategy for how we should get our work done and for the level of quality that we should reach every day when we produce that work. And I think that's one of the greatest things that that any person at any level can do is really creating and communicating that vision. The second thing is leaders make sure that they are growing and developing the people who work for them. And one of the things that, that every manager needs to ask him or herself is, are the people who work for me getting better at what they do? Mm. And that's, that's, a, that's a real gauge for how well you are doing your job. If your people are getting better, then it's a, it's a good indication that you're doing a good job managing. If they're not getting any better, then maybe you need to start asking yourself why. And maybe you are too involved. It may be that, that, that you are doing things for them that they don't need done or getting overly involved or any number of things. But that's a real telltale sign that something's wrong. And so then the next point that you mentioned in your article was coaching. So how would you say that coaching is different than leading in terms of talking about management? Coaching is really working with people to sort of strategize on how they might improve on a particular set of skills. So if you have a tennis player who is trying to improve the game, the coach, coach says you need to improve your serve, the speed of your serve. You know, I'd, I'd like if you get to the ball closer to the line without getting it out, you know, things like that. So, so then you start working with people on not only what do I need to do, but some techniques for, for accomplishing it, and then sort of observing to make sure how well they're doing at it. The, the, the coach in the workplace is the person who really helps build the confidence of people because the coach comes across as being someone who really wants the, the individual to get better. And that's why coaching is imp- an important skill, I think, for any manager or any leader, because it's what's going to get your people better. It's what's going to build their confidence. It's what's going to show that you have an interest in their development. I think it really, of all the skills that people have, if you're going to be a manager, I think this certainly ranks with the top skills that you need because this is what's really going to help make your people better and build their confidence. And so then also you had leading, coaching, and mentoring. So how does mentoring look different from leading or coaching? How does that look in a manager? 
mentoring is really taking a personal interest in a, personal, a person's development and their success. It also means taking a little bit more control, and we talked we, we talk about control in a bad way, but there are some, some ways to do that in, in, effectively. So it is uh, making sure that they have the right development opportunities. It's making sure that they get to meet the right people. It's uh, making sure they get to work on the right teams to interact uh, with, you know, the right leaders within the organization. It's making sure that they get to speak up. Maybe it's, it's hanging back and letting them do a presentation, that sort of thing. Mentoring is really taking an interest in that person's development and working with them on strategies for how to, to improve the quality of their work, but, you know, in the short term, but their overall abilities in the long term as well. And that, again, I think is a skill that every real talented manager should have. Because, again, if you want your people to get better, and they will get better if you, if you work on it with them, then you, know, you really have to take an interest in their, in their success. When a manager kind of takes a step away from micromanagement and becomes better with the leading, the coaching, the mentoring, what kind of changes do you think they will see in their employees? The first thing I think you'll see is an increase in morale. Mm-hmm. Um, because people will feel like suddenly I feel a little bit more empowered. Empowered people are those people who are much more willing to, to push themselves to do things that they might not otherwise try. So I think that you, you see people who, who the, the morale has improved, they feel a little bit more empowered. People who really are talented, and, and these are the, the people you really kind of, in a situation like this, are the first ones who are going to be most affected. The people who are the most talented, self-sufficient people on your team will again feel like it's okay for me to actually do my job, mm-hmm. to, to go out and do everything that I know how to do to be the best that I am. There are some people in the workplace who do feel a little bit shaky and who do need some guidance. You know, if you're coaching those people rather than standing over their shoulders, then you actually help build their confidence. So I think the productivity increases, which is the, the, the real uh, goal of this. The, the productivity increases in the long term, the people who work for you really do start to get better. They feel more confident in what they're doing. They want to be a part of the, these processes. They want, to be, they want to work. They want to do good work. And they, they, they get better at what they do. And so we are running a little bit short on time, but I wanted to give you the floor just for the last 30 seconds or so to give a final message on this topic. So I'm sure we have some managers listening who maybe want to take some practical steps to making sure that they're not micromanaging, but effectively managing their employees. So what final words of advice could you give to those people? The one thing I think every manager needs is someone in the workplace, perhaps a colleague or a supervisor of their own, who can give you a reality check. And, and this is one of the things I've always used uh, in my own career, is having someone I can call up and say, I need a reality check here. Have someone who can be candid with you, who can tell you the truth, who, if, if they're hearing things about you, can tell you uh, about those. And then... Uh, let you know uh, to the extent to which any of that is true, because you, you always need someone who can be honest with you and who can, because they have your best interest at heart. So that's what I, one, one thing I would really say is have someone who can give you a reality check, who has your best interest at heart, and who will always tell you the truth and be candid with you. All right. And with that last bit of advice, we will wrap up the show. You've been listening to Management Decisions with today's guest, Robert Naylor. Thanks again for coming on the show and sharing your insight with us today, Robert. Thank you very much for having me on. And as always, we love to hear from you, the listeners, as well. If you have a suggestion of another subject to cover on the show, please email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter under at the LJN. Once again, I'm your host, Jenna Konar, and thanks for joining us.